Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. And I'm joined today just by one other. And it's the one and only Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW Twitter handle. Sean, good morning. How are you? Not bad, Tony. I yourself. I think I'm a third favourite now, though. So the one other's probably disappointed some people there. But... <laughs> it's Tuesday, the 29th of November. We'll get into headlong into everything Celtic in a second. But first and foremost, guys, time running out. As you can see, ticker tape at the bottom. Black Friday offer, a pound for six months, limited time, runs out tomorrow midnight. You know what I'm going to say, a pound for six months of full access for everything that's written on the website. There's something there for everybody, as well as the daily podcasts with myself, Sean and Aidan. And all you have to do is subscribe and hit that button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk co.uk forward slash subscribe you know it makes sense guys and to all of you who've already subscribed we thank you very much building up, a, yep. building up a wee community here sean and uh, we appreciate all the comments and all the interaction andrew delia the hype man there what yeah, yes indeed you know every day we wake up and we engage with you and it's magic it's just a, a good feeling to know that we're doing that for a living and it's good fun we enjoy yep. it don't we sean certainly do tony i blessed yeah indeed so that's the Black Friday deal. A pound for six months, guys. You know, you know what you know what to do. Just hit the button. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Now, Sean, football never sleeps, and despite the fact there's a World Cup going on and various Celtic players are taking part. Also domestically, there was a wee matter of the Scottish Cup draw. Yep. It was drawn last night, Celtic drawn at home to Morton. Down your neck of the woods, Sean. The, Yep, the, the down there. So <laughs> there you have it. A wee local one for you and your family. What's your <laughs> thoughts on the cup draw? Happy with that? I don't see why not. It's always good Celtic get a home draw. And if it's against a, a team out with the top division as well, then I I think it's a it's a it's a fair it's a fair draw for Celtic. Um certainly more difficult draws in there, but Morton must be said they're on a good run at the moment mm-hmm. since sent to the championship, Tony. Yes. Uh, since October the fourth, seven wins and two draws. After starting the season with three wins from nine, um, the championship's notoriously exy peaksy in terms of you lose a couple of games, you plummet. But yeah. nonetheless, Dougie Emery's got them winning, um, so they are going to be a challenge. Not that said, it's at Parkhead, and uh, despite what game maybe initially came into people's heads, the last couple of games against Morton Celtic have won quite comfortably. Dougie Emery, being the man that you're thinking of, 2013 Sean League Cup, 2013, yeah, 1-0 yeah, win at Parkhead. Um, former Celtic defender Effie Ambrose, who's currently with Morton, yeah. uh, gave away the penalty that night uh, to his current manager. Um, so the two of them will be will be facing Celtic again. That's a be good to see, big Effie Ambrose. He's, he's started life brilliantly doing it, Capolo, by all yeah. accounts. Um, five games, four wins and a draw. Only one clean sheet though, Tony, so that maybe bodes well for Celtic. The Ballon d'Or himself, Effie <laughs> As uh, the, the fans used to jokingly sing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be good to see him. Because I don't think he got a proper send-off, did he? If he not really, no. I think I it was... Uh, not really. Quite a popular guy. Just don't mention the Juventus game, I suppose. Yes, I think those yeah. kind of couple of games that spring to mind. But yeah. bearing in mind, he was also in the Celtic team that beat Barcelona. Mm. Lots of people seem to forget that. 
that he shut out Messi and co that night when Celtic won two one November two thousand and two. shut them out if they scored, but I get, I get, I take your point. <laughs> they won. He was in that. He was in the defence that won against Barcelona. So every game was a gang and all that. But yeah, yep, yeah. That's. Uh, I think Celtic, as you say, will be quite happy and content with that mm-hmm. kind of draw. All you can ask for is a home draw, as you say. Yep. A team from a lower division, all the better. Although Morton are one of the better teams in that division, but it's like everything mm-hmm. else, Sean. You. You have to turn up and earn the right to win matches. It won't just happen. You've got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. No, and although I'm saying F.A. Ambrose has only cons- only had one clean sheet in those five games since he joined in I think mid October, near the end of uh, near the end of October, Morton have actually got the best defence in the championship. Sixteen goals conceded in sixteen games, so they actually are doing well at the back as well as uh, as well as winning games. But listen, Celtic at Parkhead against lower league opposition, there is yeah. there is no excuse. Um, and I think you're probably a very, very early score prediction here, Tony, because it's the 21st or 22nd of January, the game. Um, almost a full month away. But um, given the last two games at Parkhead and the Scottish Cup knockouts, there is only knockout stages, um, finished 3-0 to Celtic. I'll just go right ahead and say 3-0 to Celtic again. OK. <laughs> well, I'll go 10 or if 11 or if I'll go 4. I, know, I knew you would go one more. You always go one more. One you never go one loss, always one up. Yeah, it's always one um, up. I, 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 like you, I think uh, Celtic are quite formidable at home. Mm-hmm. But if I'm Doogie Emery, I'm playing that and I look to the boys, the 1 0 penalty game, and saying <laughs> it can be done. As long as Big F is not in the changing room, I suppose. <laughs> get, but, um, get them to believe. Do you remember you know? that game? Because um, they ended up Virgil van Dijk played centre forward yeah. for, mm-hmm. for a considerable amount of time, winning headers, setting up yeah. chances. McGrew hit the post. All that kind of stuff. There was a couple of just past the post ones ago. The Morton goalkeeper played well and stuff. It was, I mean, fair play to Morton and all that uh, winning at Parkhead, but it was 1 0 going on 4 1 Celtic or something. But Yeah, I think um, it was one of those games where everybody just thought it was going to happen, though, Sean. Nah. It was a matter I'll never of forget McGrew at the stuff. end hitting the post. Matt, yeah, matter of time stuff, and mm-hmm. it didn't happen. So, you know, you, you always guard against that, and history shows that Celtic have. Had some cup shockers, shall we say, and Van Ness Clyde down down the year. So they oh, do aye. happen. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I don't know. There's something about this Celtic team in particular that you you trust the manager and you trust those players and we'll mm-hmm. go on to that matter. I spoke as well. Yep. Uh, recently we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, um, Lanky kinda... just Lanky just asking who, who Celtic got, Greenock Morton, oh. um is who they got with it. I don't think it's been confirmed it's the twenty first or twenty second, I think. Yeah. Um, Morton, Morton tweeted saying it would be the 21st but Celtic said it was to be confirmed so I think there's still a bit of confusion but it's that weekend it's meant to be anyway and um, and uh, I, I think the way I'm looking at it Tony is by that by the time you play Morton you've played Kilmarnock in the League Cup mm-hmm. so the way I'm looking at it is that'll be the next stage not, 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 the, not the very next but the next one after that stage sure. in a, a potential treble um, yes. Which has got to be the aim now because there's no European football at all. I think it's got to be a, a treble. Oh yeah, I mean it's a, it's a realistic aim. They're still in it to win it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course. I always, I we spoke off air yesterday. You always prioritise the league, but I think, I think Andrew certainly be eyeing up a treble. Wouldn't he? those players will be eyeing up a treble? Uh, I mean, you you definitely prioritise the league. I remember you and Arson last year uh, saying. I'll forget the League Cup tie or whatever it was, the, the, the League Derby's more important or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I I mean you you do think on it the same as the way that I see it, which when push comes to shove, if you're in a competition, you try and win it. 
Yeah. And it only becomes it only goes off your radar when you're put out it or you've yeah. won it. So um I and the fact that it's all domestic competitions left, nine points clear in the league, the way that the squad's shaping up and with the potential additions of in Kobayashi's case and a secured addition already, um aye, a treble's got to be the got to be the aim. Helen Feeks knows her onions, Sean. There you go, Brian Roberts. Go one more than me. This, this must be the Brian earliest Roberts. possible score predictions <laughs> conversation ever. Yes, indeed, indeed. Now I spoke about complacency there, and just mm-hmm. in, in general. Now Matt O'Reilly, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Q and A with Matt O'Reilly on the on the web. Sean will probably put the link to that up any second now. But yep. he was asked a question about complacency, and he just said there's no chance of that, <laughs> which is a. Uh, he said, with a manager like Ange, you just won't allow it. There it's there. No slackers in the Celtic team. Get that. But when players say that, you you take great comfort in that, don't you? That That's just in mm-hmm. the whole kind of... And I know that we never stopped, became a mantra and all that. But when you actually hear players say that, listen, just it doesn't happen. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. We've got a nine-point lead. He's like, don't care. We're running our own title race. We, of course, we're aware of the table, but it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. we go again, that kind of stuff. So that's really healthy and encouraging. And as you say, Callum McGregor will be coming back. There's a yep. possible addition of two new players at the minute, Kobayashi and uh, Johnston, to possibly come in as well. Mm-hmm. Looks like that's a done deal too. You know, so everything is just keeping everything fresh, Sean, and, you know, that healthy competition for places and the guys champing mm-hmm. at the bit to start football again. Yep, but I mean, I thought it was a nice week Q&A, kind of, Taking stock of Sydney and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Characterise it. He always comes across really bright and mature. I think Matt O'Reilly sometimes forget he's twenty-one. Yep. Um, as fact, as he turned twenty-two now, he's turned twenty-two, isn't he? But still, um, a mere young gun. Um, then I remember though that that means he's even more valuable actually when he's twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. Uh, but nah, he, he's speaking well again here, Tony, and it's another one you can you can kind of hear echoes of the manager through the players yeah. again. Um, and I like the fact that it's it's up Ange Postecoglou that they didn't play well or win against Sydney. Um, and it's clearly Urquhart O'Reilly that they did play well but didn't win against Everton, um, despite the fact it was a friendly. Mm. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's up to them that they didn't win in Australia, period. No. Nah. You know, so, and I, and I think, uh, you know, and, and for whatever reason, so be it, you know, but I just think they felt that they, they didn't really show mm-hmm. the real Celtic Matt O'Reilly spent a lot of time talking to you in that Q and A about the fans yeah. in Australia. Um, I noticed in specifying, I never came out and actually said outright that they were, that's why they were disappointed. But he kind of alluded to the fact that they, they appreciated the fans. He was talking to some of them down the beach. We we know from in here a lot of people from Australia commenting they're up at three four in the morning if they want to watch a game. Matt O'Reilly referenced that, um, mm. and he was asked about whether he would have that in mind going back. To, to Parkhead yeah. when he's playing at the normal time would he be thinking unless there's people halfway across the world if he didn't know already then he certainly knows now and he was very complimentary and um, yes I mean you, I don't I hesitate to use the phrase because it's kind of overused that he gets it and all that but he clearly he clearly does so well, well I think he was very mindful of the fact mm-hmm. of the sacrifices that fans from Australia make and it was brought home to him and it was also brought home to many other players who maybe weren't aware that Celtic's fan bases are all across the world and and it's an incredible fan base and I, and I think kind of they appreciated that and it took them by surprise a wee bit so I think they were kind of wow this is something 
you know, really special. And as you say, Matt was very mindful of that. And, you know, whilst it might not play overly on their mind, they'll, they'll think about it and they'll say, OK, we've got a duty to perform for all the fans, OK, the ones that are, are fortunate enough to be in the stadium, but those that are watching around the world at Dick Duck o'clock in the morning, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, you, know, you know what else I like, Tony, when he was asked about the Champions League, because obviously it's, it's quite a bit removed from the last Champions yes. League game now, and certainly even more removed from his first Champions League game. And he was just asked to compare, obviously, he's playing in League One down in England, um, and then the Champions League a season later. <laughs> his response was, listen, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I like cool. it, I like yeah. it. He's got the composure on and off the park, isn't he? He's got an old head on very young shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I mean that 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 maybe tells you why Ange Postecoglou trusted him, turned to him to go and fill that McGregor role at the base of midfield, which is integral, absolutely integral yeah. to the way Celtic play, rather than going with a a, a tried and tested uh, defensive midfielder. Tells you all you need. I'm very big on the manager watching these players every day in training, and he clearly saw something in Matt O'Reilly and asked him, "With thoughts on doing it." And he's clearly been given the affirmative. Matt O'Reilly said, yep. You know what I mean? And he's not at any say said, don't fancy that boss, I'm better further forward, which some players can say. He's clearly, he's clearly had that conversation with him. Matt O'Reilly's went, give me the responsibility. I'll take it on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I can do it. Because, again, he's a confident young man, believes in his own ability, is going places, and Celtic are lucky to have him at this juncture. But he is loving it, and he's loving everything about Celtic. Loving playing under the manager, loving the style, and even if it is uh, not playing in his no, his correct position or his favourite uh-huh. position, he's still grafting for the team. It's all about that team collective and that effort. And I think it is the highest compliment that he turned to Matt O'Reilly to fill the shoes of the Celtic, the, fill the shoes of the Celtic captain. Which, which when he when he first got injured, you thought who's going to replace him? He's irreplaceable. And to Matt O'Reilly's credit, he has. Uh, performed very, very well. I think you, you said it well. Yeah. He was like seven and eights, wasn't he? Or, um, for for the, the, the kind of 11, 11 or so games to start the season when he was playing in his kind of normal position, he was averaging basically eight, eight out of ten. And yeah. when he went back to McGregor's position, he's averaged seven, which, as I say, is, is a good performance. And I think yeah. that's his credit because as much as people were saying, oh, he played it for Fulham, he was playing Fulham, Fulham B team essentially in Premier yeah. League 2 and all that. It's, it was nowhere near the same nowhere near the same level of responsibility and at the same time having to replace the captain and the beating heart of the team. So to, to go in there for a consecutive run of games, remember he wasn't really he's not he's not been getting rested either, really. Yeah. Um to get in there for a, a considerable consecutive run of games in the McGregor position and for Celtic to come out at the other end of it without tasting anything like a defeat. Um I think to his credit. And obviously the other midfielders as well, they all chip in and the defenders and Carter Vickers been there and all that kind of stuff. But aye, I think uh, Alan Morrison analysed the, his performance, Matt O'Reilly's performance in the Callum McGregor role uh, last week, which I'll try and figure out, I'll try and dig out the link to, to put in here as well. And aye, the, he embraced that responsibility and um, deserves all the credit for it. And I think it's just indicative of the, of the player and the man himself that he, he just got on with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, he, and, and, and again, in the Everton game, he was a victim of a really crude challenge, Sean, that could have put him out mm-hmm. for a while. And he just shrugged his shoulders and got on with it. Done that in pre-season as well, remember the Blackburn game? Yeah, you know, and he sort of football brain beyond his ears. I totally agree with that, Brian, I think. Remember, in pre-season, I remember saying, because there was a a few, still kind of 
a big topic that Celtic need this defensive minded anchor man that's defence first, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I felt during pre season that the, the trio of McGregor, O'Reilly, Hatati had an underrated kind of bite to it. Now, obviously, it's not your it's not your traditional defensive minded people. Any of them are not that kind of traditional defensive minded player, but all three of them have got a bit of bite to their game. And I think you see that. You've seen it maybe arguably more in Matt O'Reilly's game when yeah. he's dropped back. But I mean, I see it every time I do a date around it. He's there for pressing and counter pressing every time. That's a physical thing. That is a that is a work rate thing. Um, so was a surprise that he that he, he kind of people were alerted to that aspect when he moved back a bit. Not really, but I still think he deserves enormous credit for being able to combine his own technical skills with playing that role in a way that he saw fit when McGregor was the guy he was replacing. I think the wonderful thing about O'Reilly is that part of his game, the fact that he can dig, and he can dig, he can put in a tackle. Yep. And he's no slouch. He likes a tackle. Yeah, and but it goes under the radar because he's mm-hmm. such a technically gifted player. Mm-hmm. So people don't associate Matt O'Reilly with the dirty work and, and mm-hmm. digging and sliding in and you know and, and having a right kind of you know, mm-hmm. 50-50 battle and challenge and stuff, which is great. Likes yeah, it. I, I think he can, because he just seems to glide across a football pitch and people associate him with mm-hmm. that, kind of gliding across and putting in the, the pass for Jota to score against Rangers, all that kind of thing. So long may that continue, because if that goes under the radar, yeah. he can just keep digging away and doing his thing and, and, and it will largely go unnoticed. You know? First and foremost, all three of those first-choice midfielders are, are footballers, obviously. But as I say, I, I think all three of them have a wee bit of bite to their game. And I think people, you're, you're saying people maybe sometimes don't realise it with O'Reilly. I think with Hatate as well. And even, even Kyogo. Yeah. Kyogo's got a wee bit to him sometimes. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah. See it. But because their nature is to be really nice sporting behaviour and all that, they don't they don't yeah. necessarily get associated with that. But Hatate's got that, that, that kind of, not nasty yeah. speak, but as I said when I scouted him last year, um, I had initially said, right, I think he could maybe fill a bit of the Ryan Christie void in terms yeah. of the work rate as well as the quality. And I think maybe Hatati's work rate and, and, and kind of wee, 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 bite, wee bit of bite actually still gets overlooked a wee bit. And obviously, Callum McGregor's no shrinking violet. No, which is good. And, yeah. and as you said, I think all three of them complement each other well. And we've said many times that all being equal, that's your midfield, isn't it? Although, yeah, I think so. Moore, has come in and done really, really well. I have yeah. to big up boy in the game he had the other day for Australia was nothing short of miraculous. He was absolutely outstanding. I thought, I thought he played well. I think I, I'm, he's still very up and down for Celtic, I think, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. overall. But some some really good displays. And as Andrew Galea said here, and this is kind of what I kind of ho- hoped was going to play out with, yeah. with Aaron Moy in the newsletter when he was when he was coming, um, when it was first kind of confirmed that he was coming. And I said he would replace everybody but nobody. And that was yeah. kind of like, he can fill in at the six, he can fill in at the eight. I think he's actually done better at the eight um, yeah. than the six for me. But I still see that composure that he will be fine if he's got to play the six as well. So, I, 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 yeah, it's fine. And you've got David Turnbull there coming back. And if he gets a run of games, he'll, he will get you goals if he plays, uh, mm-hmm. assists, set pieces, all that kind of stuff. So, But aye, in terms of midfield three, we've not wavered since pre-season, have we? It's the three of them. Yeah. And it's also exciting, Sean, that you are getting your captain back soon mm-hmm. and, you know, there's healthy competition for places here. Moyes playing well, Turnbull starting to find a bit of form. O'Reilly, Hitati are, you know, have been excellent. So, you, yep, mm-hmm. O'Reilly's got it. We'll fit in anywhere. If you was an O'Hare for a young lad and carried the game perfectly. Yep, totally agree with that. Lanky 67 indeed. Mm-hmm. But just echoing what we're saying. And, you know, and it can only, 
uh, bode well for Celtic. They're getting fitter, better and stronger for, yep. for the running, you know, after mm-hmm. January. Aye, totally. I totally agree with that. I think, you, you know what, I'll, at some point during this January transfer window, I'll pull out the depth chart again. You know that. You know that. Um, I, wait, I managed to wait. Must be said, I managed to wait in the summer window until the window yeah, actually yeah. closed, and then I mm-hmm. and then I put it out. But I was champing at the bit to press send for about three, four <laughs> weeks before. Um, I've got another comment from Lanky here for you. Um, now Anche's getting a left centre back um, and a right centre back. I, I take it just like, in general terms, he's, he's got his right centre back. Is what it means. Um, well, it might mean Alistair Johnston, I suppose, but I don't see him playing right centre back. Tony, I don't know about you, but um, watch this space. Lanky thinks that Celtic will go to three at the back. Um, and says that I'm just to play over in Japan. I don't have much familiarity when playing it in Japan, but he certainly played a 3-4-2-1 with um, the Socceroos. Because uh, when they played three at the back in Boxing Day last year, I kind of dove into it a wee bit and compared it to the way that he set mm-hmm. up that day and different things. Um, do you see them going three at the back, Tony, at all? Not in the near future. But he's always no. said that he, the, the systems kinda, can be tweaked. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and he said that he's not averse to doing these things. It's just, just what he likes and prefers. Right. You know, so but the, I think it was needs must against St Johnson that day, wasn't it? Because they were, kind of threadbare. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I understood why he, he did that against St Johnson in Boxing Day last year. But mm-hmm. listen, he he will suit himself, won't he? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not sure that I see a three-five-two as the way forward for Celtic. I think even even if it was, I think what it would end up being is a three four three or something. I don't think yeah, it would be yeah. a three five two, but or a th- even the way that it did it with the Socceroos with a three four two one. But I just think there's Celtic are too dominant and mm-hmm. too attacking, even for an Ipswich Chicago team in terms of possession and stuff. Yeah, to really go three three five two, I think. But mm-hmm. you never know if it's a three more of a three four three and stuff. He'll still get his wingers in the team. He can still play the fullbacks. Yeah. Essentially, to be honest, Tony, ninety percent of of domestic games, when you see the pass network, it is just Joe Hart and maybe one, sometimes two of the defenders that even spend most of the game in their own half. The rest sure. are all in the other half anyway. Yeah. Um, and kind of formations are mostly off the ball things. Do you know what I mean? They, they fall back yeah. into formation. And he's kind of shown in Europe that he goes 4 4 1 1 or 4 4 2 with that way O'Reilly pushing up and stuff. Domestically, Celtic dominate to such an extent that, as I say, Usually nine of the players are in the opposition half for the majority of the game. Yeah. Anyway, so indeed. Um, speak, speaking of players, mm-hmm. Alistair Johnston was speaking. Sean, and yep. he, yes, there he is, big Victor Wanyama. <laughs> told him, get yourself to Celtic, young man, and signed off with the message. You won't regret it. Hail, hail! And I laughed at that because when yeah, I spoke to Wanyama about the his Barcelona memories. Mm-hmm. He ended the conference call by saying "Hail, hail, Tony," which I found extremely and highly amusing. I just thought it never leaves you. He still felt part of the, the Celtic family, and he waxed lyrical about Celtic. Uh, and he said he's he's he really enjoyed it. It was the yeah. greatest experience of, of his career. So, uh, Alistair Johnson has said that hey, Celtic have no better agent than Victor, <laughs> which is. Certainly banging the drum, wasn't he? But, yeah, and I, I think I don't think it needs much banging, to be fair. No. I, don't, I don't think it well, needs much banging. It's still wonderful to hear but, that yeah. a player like Victor Wanyama would, would go out his way to give mm-hmm. the boy advice and say to him, look, sing for this club and do your do the right thing and you know you won't regret it type thing. And then, you know, there's no more ringing endorsement than somebody like Victor Wanyama telling you to 
to sing for the hoops and the boys clearly listen, you know, because there is interest in them. But I mean, as I say, if you come through the, the ranks, and this is no disrespect to the MLS draft and all that, but realistically, getting a move to Celtic to play, we hope, Champions League football mm. uh, a year from now, or less than a year from now, to trade the MLS for that, is it should be a no-brainer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and certainly Alistair Johnston's conduct and demeanour without, he's certainly kept at the right side of professional because he's not a Celtic player yet and all that kind of stuff, so credit to him for that. But his demeanour and everything tells you he's excited by the, yeah. the mere prospect of it. So it was good to hear Big big uh, Wanyama drumming up the 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 Celtic or banging the Celtic drum. Um, but as I said, I don't think it needed much uh, no. much banging. Um and I, I wasn't surprised to hear when Yama mentioned the Hail Hills and come on the boys and all that because you know, <laughs> I thought on when you said you spoke to him for the Barcelona anniversary thing and he, and he yeah. said that. What else he said though, Tony Alistair Johnston, was that he spoke to Juranovic. Juranovic went up to him after the game, yeah. um, after the Croatia-Canada game, um, which was interesting. He brought up the Celtic transfer uh, reports. Um, now, in my mind, Juranovic was being really nice to him and, and all that, but probably thinking to himself, hold on a minute here. <laughs> this boy wants my jersey. <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, that I, uh, but I, I think that's that showed a nice touch as well. That when Yama actually spoke to him, and there was none of this kind of. Oh, Juranovic, you know, uh, Juranovic, uh, yeah. You know, so uh, I, you know, whatever happens with Juranovic, what will be will be, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll, that will come out in the wash. But yeah, I mean, Andrew Glare, the Canadian boy, is young and ambitious. Of course, he has. Mm-hmm. And he was just, you saw the delight in his face when he was asked about Celtic. Oh, I that question, he, he was smiling away, and as you see, he kept the right side of, of being mm-hmm. professional and fair play to him for that. But you can mm-hmm. tell that he's kind of buzzing about the fact mm-hmm. that he's club football, you know, and the things that he might achieve in his career, like his Champions League and all that uh, later on, hopefully this year. So, mm-hmm. indeed, I think that's it's something exciting for him, isn't it? I mean, it's exciting to win the World Cup, but it's exciting to know where your future lies now. The, Andrew Gilly is making this, this point, Tony, and Aidan made it last week, and I, I thought back then, I said to Aidan as well at the time, I thought it was a great point. Um, Andrew Gilly says, if Celtic are to sell Juranovic, obviously that's the caveat here, um, they might not sell Juranovic until the summer. Yeah. And Aidan pointed out last week, that would maybe be better, because when you look at the Matt O'Reilly-Tom Rogic succession, that couldn't have went better. Mm-hmm. Having both of them at the club for that six-month period or so before yeah. the end of the season, and then obviously Rogic never gets sold. They came in agreement, but Aidan pointed out, obviously as Poster Coglu had spoken to Tom Rogic, he knew this was on the cards, and you get Matt O'Reilly, and he's got five months bedding in alongside Rogic rather than instead of. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrew Gillier's point, I'm looking at it in a positive. If that is what happens, and you've got both of those two and Ralston on the books, yeah. and then you do sell Juranovic, you've already got it. You've already got a guy there. I'm not. Taking it as a given that Juranovic is getting sold. No, no, no. Because no, no. Up, up, you know, Atletico Madrid apart, I don't know. There's not been much other interest, has there? I mean, there was talk, but it's all been <clears throat> um, summer transfer window, and let, let's but let's not kid ourselves on it. It did sound like agent-led stories rather than yes, um, rather than actual club-led yeah. stories, but. Listen, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't yeah. happen, then you've got another versatile player in there that can switch positions and, and yeah. as to the squad, and then you've got maybe a decision to make further down the line. Maybe you pick one of them. But You've got the Croatian international right-back at your club, so yep. I'm not I'm not totally mm-hmm. averse to the fact that Juranovic stays great. Mm-hmm. But and as you say, and, if, and then obviously if Johnson comes in and Ralston's there, then you have three guys who are, you know, bang at it. 
trying yeah. to get that because I see the yellow jersey all the time. So yeah. the battle currently, currently your your pick for that is Tony Ralston, isn't it? Yeah. Because of the way he's been performing. <clears throat> yeah, and I think uh, I, I think it's fair to say that you you ran a bit of depth in for him. I don't think anybody can can mm-hmm. deny that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Juranovic will go like Scott and Robert Gibson, and, that, and that's possible. That's fine. Well, if he does stay, I, I would want to see him raise his game mm. to what we know he's capable of, because I just feel that he's dipped. Mm-hmm. And the uh, commenter below, Robert, yeah, created Of course he did. I, I get that. I, uh, you know, I, I, I saw that. I watched that myself, and I thought he did very well there. But caveat to that was he was posted missed for the header. Yeah. After 90 seconds, you know, so you know, you, you weigh these things up, but if mm-hmm. he goes, he goes, if he, if he stays great. But as I say, I want him to hit that kind of top for him that he showed mm-hmm. when he first came in. Listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with succession planning, Tony. That's the way that I would kind of summarize it. There's nothing wrong with me doing that. The Tom Roggett's Matt O'Reilly thing, I think, is a great point for me doing last week. Um, there's another thing here, Tony. I'm going to, we're not going to talk too much about it because you have something in the works writing about it. Uh, but Brian Roberts um, brings up the new heading rule, which the SFA have confirmed yesterday, um, which is basically no heading training, uh, and that includes set-piece training, um, the day before or the day after a match, that right? plus one or minus yes. one. Um, now, Brian thinks that new heading rule will help Celtic. I don't know, frankly. I think there's, there's certainly... As, as an overarching thing in, in terms of football, you hear it likes of Chris Sutton banging on about it all the time, the concussion things, the concussion protocols, heading for heading for particularly young younger players, but also professionals. There's um, certainly an argument there that the road that they're trying to go down is the right one, but um, you're putting together a quite a detailed article on responses to it, not your response to it, but from a coach's point of view, maybe from a medical point of view, the SFA's point of view, all of that, which will be a good read, and I'll let you know what it is on the site, but there are differing opinions on this, Tony, isn't there? And you'll, you'll, you'll get them all in the I think in the if you, you can understand the SFA's concern about it, you can understand medical signs mm-hmm. prevailing around it, but I think football people have a different... Uh, take on it, most football people, Chris Sutton and a few of the families that have been affected apart. Uh, well, to be fair to the SFA, their, their, um, their research and it did include the PFA Scotland survey, which all right, isn't an exhaustive list of every footballer, obviously, in mm-hmm. Scotland, but it's still a good gauge of opinion. And I think it was 60-odd percent uh, said they would be in favour of curtailing the amount of headings in training. So... It's an, in, it's an interesting debate, I think. Is, yeah, um, and as I say, when, when you put that out, I'll... I'll, 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 I'll it's a ferocious debate, to be fair, on, on, on where you stand on it all. So, I, uh, yeah, well, well uh, when the article goes up, you'll, you'll see mm-hmm. what people think about it. But, I, you know, I, I it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? It mm-hmm. really is, because where do you draw the line on it? What, right, what see, the thing is, I've seen a few of these the comments. Tony Lanky saying how many goals have Celtic scored from headers this season, not that much, so it will help us, but will it? Because if you're not allowed to practice them, how are they going to get better at them? Headings um, are, headings and are, also, are a natural part of football. Set pieces are crucial in football now, as any football coach, player, manager will tell you. So, 
you know, it's, uh, there you go, it's, it's, I think, to be fair, and this, this is where I'm saying the article will, will kind of weigh all these up, but the the kind of research that was cited in the SFA releasing stuff, it does make sense, and the logic behind it makes sense. Yeah. Where I would think that this will become a topic for debate is the practicality of implementing it yeah. in terms of training schedules, in terms of if you're playing three times a week, are you never going to practice them because you're only ever one or two days away from a game, that kind of thing. Um, and what ways will teams that want to do it, say, say you're... Say your whole modus yeah. operandi is lumping it long to your big centre forward or getting goals on set pieces. You need to practice them. So oh, how are clubs going to get round that? Are they going to double up two days before it rather than do you know what I mean? Also, so, Sean, how do you police that? How do you Yeah, yeah. How do you <laughs> I interviewed somebody yesterday and I said, Do you have like vans going round? Like the TV license vans to every club in Scotland a day before a game to make sure that they're not Mm-hmm. Uh, no practice in the heading. I mean, how how are you going to police that? I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. to me. I think it's unworkable. How on earth would it help us or any team? To be honest, Michael Ross. I'm I'm very going to side of caution with Michael Ross on that one. To be fair as well, but mm-hmm. and I get the medical arguments. I think most people do, don't they? And the health and safety and the protection element to it. We, uh, listen, we, I mean, Chris Sutton is the one that I always come. Uh, to think on when it comes, that's mostly concussion, although a, a great amount of what he speaks about is the, the effect of certainly older players and heading the heading the balls um, and different things like that, but con- a concussion sub to me should be the, it actually probably should have came before this, it should be the next logical step um, yeah. for professional football the world over, I don't see any any drawback from a concussion protocol that, that takes into account player wealth, welfare first rather than giving anybody the option. My, my thoughts on that, Sean, would be if there is a clash of heads, I would withdraw players for the safety element alone. If it's not the real kind of nasty clash of heads, the two players involved, they just immediately leave the game and for health and safety reasons uh, because you've seen some real nasty ones and I just think that that would be a, a fair enough protocol. Uh, for footballers, because we saw one recently at Celtic, didn't we? And the two players went down, and and, I, and then the referee allowed play to go on, didn't he? And, which I felt was was dreadful. That, on, honestly, I'm I'm still baffled by that. Yeah, it wasn't, so, it wasn't yeah. just the referee. The referee was close enough and saw it, so he yeah. should have gone right away. That's just yeah. non-negotiable. In that instance, but like, the, the assistant, the assistant yeah, referee was right in front of it. No reaction whatsoever. <clears> so I, I thought <throat> I, 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 that is still baffling you know, me. The, the, and I would like to think behind the scenes they were they were pulled up on that. So so I I uh, yeah I I I would maybe bring that in as a kind of mm-hmm. a general rule of thumb. But you know, I, football people will tell you that headings an integral part of of the game mm-hmm. and practicing and you know uh, you know becoming an expert and your heading prowess. So it's. It's one of them. It's going to polarise opinion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Aye. I mean, they're not. They're not talking about taking out the game. Obviously, it's got to no. stress that. But in terms of uh, aye, the practicality of it is where I'm intrigued to see the opinions yeah. that you're gauging, just to see what that schism is like in terms of actually implementing it, not just policing it, but club to club, your training schedule. Mm. Are clubs likely to double up on heading and set pieces then in two, two, three days before a game if they can because they know that they're, they're not meant to be doing it the day before. Is that just as bad as doing it the day before then? All that kind of thing. So I'm definitely, definitely intrigued to, to read it once you've kind of gauged all the opinions and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it again on here. Indeed. 
Well, there you go. 35 minutes. John, yep. buying a flash. <laughs> talking about Celtic, talking about uh, the heading law coming in as well. So there you go, guys. It's never a dull moment on the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. Is there? Well, we don't seem to think so, but <laughs> thank you for all your interactions as well, guys. We enjoy it. It's, uh, it's always great fun. And I hope you're enjoying the World Cup, charting the Celtic players' progress or otherwise. But there you have it. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all again. Yep. Those like Celtic, we never stop. Mm-hmm. We'll come up with more topics. Maybe ask you guys, maybe throw it over to you guys for your for a QA and see if you want to take I the reins. We'll certainly do that again. I we've, we've done that. Point, yeah, indeed, indeed. Indeed. Aye, aye, why not? But again, I'll just draw your attention to the ticker tape running along the bottom. It's our Black Friday offer. Ends on Wednesday at midnight. A pound for six months of full access to everything that's written on the website. And uh, the daily podcast as well with myself, Sean and Eden. You know what makes sense. A pound, a pound for six months. Come on. Hit that button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. It's as easy as that. Sounds to all of you again who have subscribed, thanks very much. Really do appreciate it. Uh, and the, as I say, all it left for me to say is, Sean, thanks for your contribution. First class as always. The guys who commented as well, thank you for that. Thanks for watching. Thanks for getting involved. We we couldn't do it without you, as we always say. So there you go. And I shall bid you a good day. Enjoy yourself, whatever you're up to today. And we shall see you tomorrow. Yep. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Tony.